and uh, welcome to worship at Belhelvey and a particular welcome to uh, Rachel Johns who's here today to tell us more about the work of uh, Compassion UK. We already uh, have a wee connection with Compassion because a few years ago we had a visiting speaker and as a result of that Coffee Haven uh, decided that they would sponsor uh, a child in Kenya. Her name is Brilliant. Uh, she's 11 years old and each month some money goes out to her uh, to help her with her education and with uh, food and support for the family. So we're going to be hearing a wee bit more about uh, the nature of that work today uh, through Rachel. So we're delighted that you've come up all the way from Falkirk today. I think we should give her a round of applause <laughs> for, uh, for coming such a long way in such a foggy... Maybe it's sunny down in Falkirk, I don't know. The sun always shines in Falkirk. <laughs> the sun always shines in Falkirk, right? That's a lie. That's <laughs> Um, just a couple of wee uh, announcements before we begin our worship. Um, Gordon is asking for the magazine articles to be in by the 25th of September. That date has crept up on me very uh, quickly. 25th of September, which is really like next weekend. So if you have stuff you want to put into the magazine, and this would be for autumn and uh, winter, uh, then do please get those to Gordon as soon as you can. And then uh, we are aiming to start uh, house group on Thursday again at 7.30. We're going to be on Zoom for the first wee while just to be see how things progress. It might be that before the end of the year we're able to meet together in person. Uh, but it's 7.30 on Thursday and we're going to be looking at some resources that will help us to earth our spiritual life. It's easy for me to be banging on saying we need to pray more. But what if you don't know how to pray? What if you're not sure how to earth that, how to live it out in practice. Well, the resources that we're using, I think, are going to be very good in helping you find ways to develop your own rhythms and life of prayer, which will flow into your life and help you to lead more of your life of faith. So if you're interested in that, even if you've not been to house group before, that's fine. And um, we would love to have you along. So let me know, and I'll make sure that you're copied into the Zoom code. There, uh, there's a book that goes with this course that we're doing. We'll not need that for the first session, but we will for the second. And I'll endeavour to get copies into people's hands uh, by that point. So those are all our announcements uh, this morning. So let's begin our worship today as we sing to God's praise in number 251, I, the Lord of Sea and Sky. Let's worship God together.
Let's come before God in prayer now. Let us pray. Father, this is our time and this is your time and we hallow it. We choose to set it apart to be with you in this place. And we come because deep within us we recognize that this life is a gift and a gift must have a giver. And we come to believe that the giver has a name. Lord, Father, God, Christ, Spirit. And the giver has a character. Loving, merciful, compassionate, kind, holy, just. Lord, we could not know this with any certainty unless you had revealed it to us. And so we bless you for taking the initiative and reaching down and bridging the gap between yourself and us, bearing with us in our failings and our poor choices and rejoicing in our learning and our successes. Thank you that the types and shadows of the Old Testament days, the hints and perceptions of who you were, found their fulfillment in the man we call Jesus, the divine son in human form. Thank you that in him we see your true nature revealed. 
also the true nature of humanity. For he is as you want us to be. He is as you are patiently making us and will one day perfect when Christ is all in all. And so we have a hope not just for eternity, but for now. In these days when our ears are itching for experts to teach us how to live, we have the help and the favour of the giver of life itself. So Lord, help us to hear, to learn and to change as we seek to centre our lives on you. Lord, like an old-fashioned radio knocked from its station, a car wheel that's needing balance, like a combine that has strayed from its course, we need correction. We acknowledge that this week there have been times when we've been impatient or short with people. We've dealt with folk, not as they are, but as we assume them to be. We've acted selfishly at times, putting our needs and desires first. We've been careless with our time and our energies, frittering away moments and opportunities which once gone won't be coming back again. And so we take a moment in silence to own those things and the other ways that we've fallen short this week, confessing them to you in a moment of quiet. Father, your love is new every morning and we rest in it. Blessing you for your parental eye which loves us as we are yet loves us too much to let us stay that way. We acknowledge our sin and your mercy and ask you to help us through your spirit to learn to make better choices with our lives that we might more fully embody the peace and the presence of Jesus Christ. So hear these in all our unspoken and spoken prayers because we ask them all in his name and in his name we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the reading this morning is from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 20, and reading verses 29 through to 34. And Jeanette Lamb is going to read for us. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. 
And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. Amen. Thanks, Jeanette. We're going to sing uh, hymn number 770 now, I Love You Lord, and we'll sing this one through twice and we'll remain seated to sing. Rachel, would you like to come up now and tell us a wee bit about compassion and about the, the vision behind it, I suppose, and the sense of what it's about. Thank you. Well, good morning. It's lovely to be here with you in the building this morning. If you're at home as well, it's, it's really lovely to be able to join with you all today on this. I was going to say a glorious morning, but that would equally be as much of an untruth as me saying Falkirk's always sunny, because it's definitely not. I am... Um, it's been a strange time, hasn't it? It's lovely to be back together in person after so long being scattered on a Sunday morning, where we've not been able to gather together in 
worship and, and sing and listen to a sermon and take communion together and, and do all the things that we've known church to be maybe for all of our lives but we've known haven't we as well over the past year that there's so much more to be in church than what we do on a sunday you know we are the church when we leave these doors when we leave this building we are the church the other six days of the week we are the church among our families we are the church in our workplaces we are the church with our friends with our neighbors and our communities and it's been really a huge encouragement for me to see it through through my work with compassion especially but just to see the church in action over these past 18 months which has been such a long time, but I hope that you, over the past, however long that's now been for you as a church, where things have been different and been hard and been challenging, that you have known Christ in it, that you have known encouragement, that you have seen him at work in your lives, because he is faithful and he is good and he is kind, and that is my prayer for you as a church today, that you will, that you will continue to know that over these coming days and weeks and months as we continue to get back to the new normal. I hate that phrase. I really hate it, but it's true, isn't it? It's what, it's what it is. So... I am, as Paul's already said, my name's Rachel. I'm Regional Partnerships Manager for Compassion here in Scotland, which sounds very grand, but just means that I have the privilege of getting to travel to churches all over the country to speak up on behalf of the 176 million children who are currently living in poverty in the world today, which is a huge number. I, uh, statistics, when I try and remember them all, they kind of blow my mind a bit when I think of all, all those children, all the, the numbers and what that looks like. But ultimately, I'm here because I believe that each one of those children has a name and has a face and each one of those children matters. That's the heart of what compassion do. I'm going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But um, it's a real privilege to be here with you. So thank you so much for giving me this time. Thank you for your support of compassion as a church as well, as you know, as you sponsor that child. And that's incredible. You know, and over the, these past 18 months in particular, what we've done has looked a bit different. We've not been able to gather you know, children together the same way we would. The, you know, there's been lockdowns. Churches have been physically closed over there too in the countries that we work in. But that money, that support has gone a huge way into continuing to make a difference. And so thank you so much for that. For those of you who don't know about Compassion, you're thinking, what on earth is she waffling on about? Compassion is a Christian organisation that's been operating for the past 65 years to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. And, and we do that through a holistic child development programme, which is run on the ground in partnership with local church. So we aim to provide for children physically by providing meals and nutrition, by providing health care so if they need vaccinations, if they need access to medicines, if they need a doctor's appointment, if they need to visit a hospital, we help provide that for them. We provide an education for them, so that means they can go to school, it provides school uniforms, school books, it provides for their emotional needs too. So over the past year in particular, things have been really hard. And so we've been able to provide trauma counselling, especially in Haiti at the minute after the earthquake. There have been a lot of ch children who have been displaced, a lot of children who have lost family members. So we were able to come alongside them and provide counselling for them and, and the support that comes through that through the local church. But the key aspect of what we do, we don't do what we do just to meet those physical needs, not just to make things easier for life here. You know, vocational training is great, education is great, food is great. But we do what we do in Jesus' name, because we believe that ultimately he is our hope. It's only Jesus that can really save a life. Foods might physically make you well. Medicine might physically make you well. A job might mean that you're provided for. But ultimately, only Jesus can really change your life. And so that's why we do what we do in Jesus' name, because we believe that there is hope in his name for everyone, rich, poor, fat, thin, male, female, whatever that looks like, there, there is hope in his name. And so that's why we do what we do that way. I, um, I've worked with Compassion for three and a half years now, and as part of that I get to travel and to visit well, pre-COVID. Pre <laughs> I was able to travel, that's been a long time ago now, but 
It's, um, I get to travel and visit some of the countries we work in. My first trip was just before I started working for Compassion and I travelled to Tanzania and did a sponsored time with Kilimanjaro with and met one of the little girls I sponsor, I sponsor two children. And I got to meet Sarah and meet her gran and, and just to see the work of the church in her life was, was incredible. And then I've been out to Uganda and, and all over the place. And this morning I just want to share some stories with you as I unpack the work of Compassion. There are three aims, three kind of strings to the work that we do. And I just want to share some stories with you about what that looks like, because there's a lot of power in a story, isn't there? You know, as we read the Gospels, as we see, see the way Jesus lived, as we see the way he taught his disciples, as we see the way he taught the crowds that gathered around him. He used stories, he used parables to explain complicated truths, to explain things that were hard to understand, to make them simple, because he can relate to stories. You know, I can stand here and round off numbers and statistics and all these things, but ultimately it's a story that you're going to remember. So I hope that this morning you're encouraged and that you learn a little bit about what that work of compassion is in a, in a really real way through the experience that's, that's there. So the first part of our work is that we are child focused, as I've said, we, our work is focused on children because we believe that they, that they matter. You know, that's not something we just sat down and decided when compassion started years and years and years ago in South Korea by Everett Swanson. That's not something that he just sat down and said, you know what, I believe that children matter, so this is going to be our mission. It's something that's biblical and that was really driven home to me. I was in Uganda a couple of years ago and um, we'd arrived. I don't know if any of you have ever been to Africa, I, uh, but if you have, you'll know what the roads are like. And you'll know that, you know, sometimes we complain about the traffic here, but um, there's like goats and there's all sorts of things. There's motorcycles and there's all sorts of things, you know, like dodging, goodness knows what. And it's, um, so we just arrived late at night and it was really late and I was tired. You'd kind of, it was a long flight and so I was just desperate to Please, please just let me get it was about half past 11 and I was so desperate to get to bed and so we're on this bus heading to the place we were staying and we'd stopped to think there was you know a donkey in the middle of the road or something so we were stopped to let, we stopped to let it cross and um, all of a sudden we heard a tapping on the side of the bus you know this what earth is what earth is that so the you know the door was opened and I could hear the driver talking and I kind of peered around from my seat to see, to see what the fuss was about. And I saw these two little boys standing at the door of this bus. And there was this huge big basket of bananas. And they were trying to sell bananas to people on the bus. So one was maybe about five and the other was, another was three. And I remember, you know, there was a kind of old people. I'm like, you're just, you know, they're, they're selling this huge basket of bananas. You know, these little boys have come sat, you know, stood at the side of the bus. But, you know, as, as we left, you know, at that point, the traffic started being moved away. And, and I remember just driving away. And just being really struck by what had, by what had happened. Because you know, I have a nephew, he's nine, and you know, all I could think about was at half past 11 at night, he is at home, he is in his bed, he is warm, he is safe, he is fed, he's had his supper, he's had his dinner, he's going to school the next day. And these two little boys are standing at the side of this bus in busy traffic, half past 11 at night, you know, with like one shoe on, you know. And I could just, I was just so struck by that, by the contrast of what, what their life looked like and the injustice of that. The fact that these little boys were standing there, that, they, that was, you know, their parents had to send them out. You know, their parents had sent them out because there was no other way of them providing that. They were sent out because they had to earn money. That was the only way they could do that. And so children are the ones who are, who are impacted by that. You know, when the parents have to stay at home, as the children who are sent out to sell bananas on the street. And I, you know, as I was praying, and I remember praying on the bus back, and I got to my room, and, and I just fell on my knees for God. I was like, God, this, 
I, I want to pray for them, I want to pray for these boys, but I don't know their name. And I was just really struck, you know, I, I was sitting and just, sometimes you hear God speak so deeply into your spirit, and it's like, no, Rachel, but I, I do. And that, that is the truth in this, our work is child-focused, because 176 million children sounds a lot. To us, we can't comprehend it, but to God, he knows each one of their names. He knows they have the hairs in their head. He knows, he created them in the mother's womb. He knit them together. He knows them inside out and they matter. We know we see Jesus, you know, when he walked on earth in a society that left children on the outskirts, where they didn't matter, where they were kind of seen as being second-class citizens. He embraced them. He hugged them. He held them. He said, if you want to welcome me, you welcome these little children in my name. He said, you know, become like little children to receive the kingdom of God. Children matter. God, children matter to Jesus, and so that's why we serve children. We serve children because they are the ones who are most adversely affected by poverty, but we also know that each one of them matter. That there's not a single child on this planet whose name is not known to God, and so we want to see them, their lives changed, one child at a time. We can't do 176 million. <laughs> I think if we thought about that, it'd be like standing at the bottom of Mount Everest and flip-flops, like how on earth can we do this? But we can do it one child at a time. So that's why our work is child-focused. And our church, our work is church-based. We work with the local church because we believe the local church is the hope of the world, really. It's the salt and the light in our communities. The church is incredible. If you are here today physically, if, if you're watching online, and you're a part of the church, if, if, if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you're a part of this church community, that you're a part of something that is the most incredible, incredible thing on earth. It's God's plan A for the world. It's God's plan A for this community. It's God's plan A for the people you know. If he's going to bring about change in people's lives, he's going to do it through the church. That is our mandate as the local church. And so we work with the local church because we want to equip the local church and resource the local church to be that salt and light in our communities. You know, I meet so many incredible church leaders through my work who, who go out and who share the gospel in their communities, who see the needs in their communities, and who want to meet them that don't necessarily have resources there to do it. And so that's why we work with the church. Because we, you know your community. You know your community here. You know, the pastors we work with know their communities in Kenya, Uganda, Honduras, all these countries we work in. You know your community. And you're known by your community. You're known as the church. You're known as the place. You know, you are, you are the church. And so as we work with the local church, we want to see the church rise up to be all that it's been called to be. You know, and that's never been more real to me. I remember when I went to Tanzania, it was the first time I've really been on a trip. It was the second sort of missions trip I've been on. But um, as, as you drive to the projects you're working, we kind of left this hotel we were staying in, you know, which was, you know, which was fine. But as you're kind of getting closer and closer to this church, you know, to the Compassion Project we were visiting, we saw some really awful things. I remember being so struck by the hopelessness of seeing a baby sitting alone in a pile of rubbish while its mum was off to work. I remember seeing, you know, the houses that people lived in that were bits of corrugated iron, you know, hammered together. And I remember seeing, you know, the toilets, you know, these latrines. I was on a vision trip to Uganda, a virtual one a couple of weeks ago, and we were being shown around and she showed, you know, the little girl that we were visiting showed us the community toilets. It was a latrine and <laughs> it was here for, 20, you know, we thought it was 20 families. But you know, there's about 80 people using this one hole in the ground as a toilet. And I was sitting in my house at the time that had four toilets in it. <laughs> and just the injustice of that. But I remember walking, you know, as we were driving to the church and just feeling that sense of hopelessness. And that darkness that poverty brings, because it is a darkness. It's a darkness that says that there is no hope. 
you know, our life, that lives don't matter, that there is no way out because it's generational. As, as parents grow up in poverty, their children grow up in poverty, and those children then become have children who grow up in poverty, who become children who grow up in poverty. And it's just a cycle that can't get broken. Well, I say it can't get broken, but it can. But I remember as we got closer to this church we were visiting the Compassion Work with, I remember all of a sudden, out of this darkness and this hopelessness and what we were seeing, we heard music and we heard laughter and we heard children playing. And we saw these bright yellow balloons kind of popping up from above the fence. And I was just so struck then by the fact that in the middle of hopelessness, in the middle of darkness, in the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of all this struggle, that there are people in this world that we all face, that the church is the hope in the community, that the church was this place where in the middle of darkness, in the middle of hopelessness, there was light, there was laughter, there was hope. And it was all because there is hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is hope in his name. And there is a joy that's to be found in that that pervades our circumstances. You know, we can, life gets hard. We, each one of us knows that. My life gets hard, each one of our lives gets hard. But when it does, when it becomes challenging, when things become difficult, we have a hope and a joy as Christians, as the church, that says that in spite of all the challenges we face here, in spite of all the uncertainty and the unknowns, the sorrows, the doubts, that we have a hope that says that one day God will make all things new. He's already making things new, but one day he will wipe every tear from every eye, and one day he will make things new. One day there will be no more pain, no more suffering. We have that hope, and we, we have we have a responsibility to share that hope and so we work with the church because we want to see the church raised up to be that in the communities a place where people find hope where they find jesus and it's probably not a surprise for you to know that our <laughs> other part of our work is that we are christ christ-centered everything that we do is centered around christ because you know when we look at christ when we see how he lived we, the bible verse that we have today we see that jesus lived a life of compassion Jesus lived a life of showing his love in action to people around about him. To people that others didn't see, to people that others forgot, to people that others would have rather not been around. Jesus lived a life of compassion. We are loved by a God of compassion. You know, when we see John 3.16, I think it's one of these verses that we all know, but if you, if you don't know it, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It was compassion that saved us. It was God's compassion that sent Jesus to earth, that sent Jesus to the cross. It was because he loved us so much he had to do something about the condition we were in when we could do nothing about it ourselves. You know, and that's true for each one of us here today, each one of you at home today, for each one of those 176 million children. Compassion has saved each one of our lives. You know, if, if we are willing to embrace that compassion, to embrace Christ's compassion, to say, I believe that you died for me, that when I couldn't do anything about it, you love me so much that you still chose to take action and die for me. That changes everything. You know, and I think as a church, we're, we have two choices. And I think it's, it's hard to, to sort of, we can choose compassion. We can choose compassion, we can choose complacency. And I think sometimes it's really easy to get complacent. I know that sometimes I do. I know that sometimes I see the injustice in the world when we're faced with it. You know, we see what's going on in Afghanistan, we hear about the earthquake in Haiti, we see the needs on our own doorstep for refugees, we see, you know, all these, all these things that are going on in the world. We see the brokenness and darkness and it's easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to say, what on earth can I do? I'm only one person. Sometimes we numb ourselves off to it and say, actually, if I just kind of block out, if I change the TV channel, if I just don't read the newspaper, if I just forget about it, it kind of, I don't need to, I don't need to think about it. 
And so we can become complacent, we can say, well, actually, I can't do it all, so I'm not going to bother doing anything, or, or we just shut ourselves off to it and, and don't do anything about it. But compassion is the opposite. Compassion is seeing that need and it's taking action. You know, when we see injustice, and injustice is all around us, isn't it? We see it in little ways every day and in, in big ways all the time. But the root of injustice is sin. It's, it's sin that means injustice in our world. God created a just world. He created a perfect world where injustice didn't exist. But it's when sin came into the world that injustice did. And the only cure for sin, the only cure for injustice, the only thing that's really going to change a broken heart in the world is the cross of Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can really change that. Because it's in the cross that we find the cure for injustice. It's in the cross of Christ that we see the hope for that heart in the world. And so our work we do is Christ-centered because we know, we know deep down, we believe it with all of our hearts that there is hope in the cross for everyone. It doesn't matter where you are, who you are, who you're from, what you've done, who you are. It doesn't, none of that matters. There is hope in him. And if I can leave you with one encouragement today about compassion, not just the organisation and what we do, I hope I've kind of gone some way to explaining about the work we do and why we do what we do. But if I can leave one thing with you today, it's just, you know, to be compassionate as a church. I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. But, you know, choose compassion over complacency. Choose to so show that love in action. Choose to love your church. Choose to be rooted and planted in your church. To be here, to gather together, to know what it is to be church in your community. To not forget that you were shown compassion first. And as we have first been loved, we are called to show love to others. You know, we're not saved by our good works. We aren't saved by the things that we do. But we are saved for good works. Because as we show good works, the world as we show the love of Christ in action to the world that's how they're going to know who he is there are people in your world you're the only Christian that they know you might be the only Christian that they know you might be the only link to Jesus that they have you have an opportunity to share that love with them you know and, and that could look like so many ways that can you know if you have somebody that needs them to sit with them you know injustice looks like so many different things it could be somebody who struggles to get a job who doesn't have access to a printer you could say hey come and use my printer let me print off your cv for you show that love in action of actually we want to make a difference because you know i think charity is something is just giving money to something you know not really helping the problem it does help in some way it helps to alleviate immediate circumstances but as we fight for justice as a church as we fight to right the wrongs because god is the god of justice it's part of what we're called to do justice is a bit like going for a deep tissue massage when you've got a sore shoulder Whereas charity is about to the capacity to make the pain go away for a little while. It's like, how can we, as a church, be that deep tissue massage to the world today? How can we work to fight? How can we work to those problems out? How can we make those things better? You know, I'd love to invite you. I know that as a church, you're already sponsoring support and compassion. But if you're here today and you have the capacity to support a child that we work with, I would love to invite you to do that. I've got five children here with me today, not physically. I have profiles here. And you know, I would love to be able to come have a look at them. And if you can make a difference in a child's life, if you want to see transformation come around in one of those children's lives, and I would love to encourage you to do that, to invite you to do that today. But you know, maybe that's not something you're able to do. But just be a church of compassion. Be the compassionate church. Because it is our compassion. It is as we show that love of Christ in action that we really will change the world. And that sounds like something a bit, that sounds like something from the end of a superhero film. We're going to change the world! But we can. We can't do it millions of people at a time, but we can do it one person at a time. Because every one person matters. And as we change one person's life, 
we then start to change a family's life. I say it all the time. We change a family's life and then we then start to change a community. And we then start to change regions and we do start to change the world. And I was at an event yesterday um, for some of our volunteers and we were sharing a graph of the number of people living in extreme poverty. And right up until the point COVID hit last year, it was on a steady decline. Where there were, you know, which is incredible. We don't hear that in the news, do we? We don't hear the good stuff. But the number of people living in poverty has slowly and slowly and slowly been declining. And that's because of the work of the church. It's because of the work of the church, of organisations who are working through that. We can change it. It's not something we have to live with forever. We can change it. We can change it from one person. So we're just going to share the one last story. It's, um, I've got a video to share with you about uh, a man called Richmond. He is an incredible man of God, an incredible um, church leader. Um, he's from Uganda and he's going to share a little bit of his story with you on, on the video just now. But I, um, yeah, I hope it's an encouragement to you. I hope that it's something that continues to sit with you and that you think about. And um, can I just pray for you as a church before I finish? Is that okay? Father, thank you so much for, the, for this people. Father, thank you for your church here in Belhelby. Father, thank you for every home that's represented here, every family that's represented here. Father, thank you for your presence here with us this morning. Father, I just ask that as we go today, Father, you would challenge us, Father, in how we can show compassion, how we can be a compassionate people, Father. Give us eyes that see the needs in front of us, Father. Father, take away any blindness, Father, where we can't see the need. Father, help us to see people as you see them, Father to see situations as you see them, Father, to see the ways that we can help. And Father, give us ears that are open to the cry of others. Give us ears that hear your, your voice, Father, that we wouldn't deafen ourselves, Father, and shut off your voice to us and how we can help and what we can do. And Father, give us lips that are quick to speak your word, quick to speak encouragement, quick to speak life, quick to share scripture, Father that you would equip us for every good work, Father, that it would be through our, our words, Father, that we are equipped to share the gospel with others. Father, knowing that that is what will truly set people free. And Father, give us hands that are open. Open our hands, Father. Thank you for all you have given to us, Father. Thank you for the resources that we have. Father, help us to steward them well. Help us to use them for your glory and for your honour here, Father. Here and overseas, Father, whatever that looks like. Help us to steward the resources you've given us well. And Father, give us feet that are quick to go. Father, when there's hesitancy, when there's uncertainty, Father, give us boldness and courage that we would not be afraid, that we would not be anxious, that we would not be concerned about what will happen next, Father. But Father, we will trust that you will call us and you will equip us with where you call us to go. Father, help us to be, to be bold. Father, help us to show your love to others. Father, I pray that you would build your church here and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. That we will see this building filled with people who love you, who know you. Father, thank you for people who are at home today. Father, I just pray that you would bless them right where they are, that they would know your presence, Father, that they would know you in a real way, Father, even though they're not here in this building. Father, I just pray for Paul. Father, thank you for him. I thank you for his leadership here. And I just pray that you would strengthen him, that you would encourage him, Father, as he continues to make Christ known in this church, in this community, Father. Father, I thank you for my time with this church today, and I just pray that you bless us as we go. In Jesus' name, Amen. My name is Richmond Wandera. I come from a country called Uganda. My mother was a very loving mother. My father was a very hard worker. But unfortunately, when he was murdered, everything changed for us dramatically. 
we ended up in a slum called Naguru, which is Uganda's worst slum. Naguru was dubbed the forgotten community. And life on the street was extremely difficult. The things I did to survive. Poverty robs children of the dignity of choice. I would have chosen school. I'd have chosen food. I'd have chosen health. When this Compassion staff member came to our home and told my mom that Richmond has got a sponsor, uh, the amount of dancing that filled our home was beyond description. My sponsor began to write to me, and I just I felt known. I felt connected. They basically helped me become a child again. My pastor invited me to be part of the pastoral leadership, and I established the Pastors Discipleship Network. And so the Pastors Discipleship Network exists to train and equip African pastors. Right now, we celebrate God for 6,000 churches that have sent their pastors to be a part of our program. So what started as one decision to sponsor one young African boy has ended up not just changing the boy's family, but the boy's church and the boy's community. It's the best possible investment a person could ever make. The children that we see today will be around long after we are gone. And to invest in them, I can't think of any better investment. And so anyone who is thinking about sponsoring a child, do it. Do that because you're investing in tomorrow. Will you pray with me? The Lord said, Truly I tell you, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. Children are a blessing. They should be nurtured and cared for and be able to access education and health care freely. The world is full of divisions, inequalities and hardship for many children. We pray for those children separated from their parents due to poverty, violence and suppression of their rights in particular, female children in Afghanistan. Education is for many children and young people the way out of poverty, to be able to forge a career and provide a valuable income for their family. Sponsoring children in the third world can provide us with the ability to carry out God's will, to make life for these children better. That is what all parents want for their child. God is their father and our father. We pray for your blessing on all children and young people facing hardship, for those suffering from mental illness, illness, disability, sadness, loneliness and loss. Lord, we ask that you give them the courage to go forward, seek help, and that that help is given. Lord, we ask for your care and compassion for the staff in the NHS and social care sector as we appear to be getting ready for further COVID-19 surges. We pray for all those who once turned to you in, but have now lost their way. Bring hope and faith to restore them to your loving care. Lord, we ask for your blessing on our Minister Paul, Kirk Session and the congregation that we will go forward in your name to do your will. Amen.
we close our service this morning in the words of hymn number 724, A Touching Place.
Now go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Thank you.